Welcome to Full Tilt, powered by True Lacrosse, an unfiltered and honest look into all things lacrosse. We bring industry experts, college and high school coaches, true family leadership, and players who breathe lacrosse. True Nation, are you ready to go full tilt? All right, we are live. We have uh, Mason Pogue. Mason, you ready to be introed? I am. Thanks, man. Beautiful. So, first of all, uh, we're going to let this introduction happen a little more visually for Mason, just so we can uh, have some fun here. Um, here you go, Mason Pogue. What do you tell me about this real quick? Yeah, that's uh, this is great. This is coming back to the old Carthage days, uh, freshman year. 21 years old. Uh, oh, actually, man. I'm pretty sure I had this uh, buzz cut in the dorm rooms about four days before picture day. Just so everybody uh, gets a visual here. I've got the uh, the 2013 Carthage headshot up here. So there's, Tor Pope there's Torchy down in the left. I love it. Columbia, Missouri. Uh, the, he went to high school at the uh, Hickman QPs. If you guys don't know, know what a QP is. It's, what is it, Mason? Can you give us a little background on what a QP is? Yeah, QP is a, uh, a, a baby doll, essentially, a naked baby doll. <laughs> and we, uh, it wears like a little uh, gold diaper. And so anyway, that was our mascot, David A. Chickman High School, Columbia, Missouri. And, and that is the only QP in the entire universe, right? The only Absolutely, mascot. yeah. We were uh, like top seven, I think, uh, back in... 2012, uh, 2010 for worst mascot of all time. <laughs> so. I'll tell you what, you've been uh, aging well, Mason. I mean, yeah, appreciate it. What was happened, but but Mason, you look good. You look good here. So, three sport athlete at Hickman High School: football, Correct. basketball, lacrosse. Right. Correct. Yeah. Right. So, standout kicker on the football team. <laughs> uh, manager. Was Q QB one, dude. QB one. Oh, sorry. I thought you guys kicked every time. So, uh, you know, obviously a multi-sport athlete coming out of the Midwest in the, uh, the early 2000s to late 2000s as a high school student. Uh, and then went on to play Division three lacrosse at Carthage University in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, right next to the Cheese Castle up there. That's and on right. uh, the, great, the Great Lakes, or Great Shores of Lake Michigan. Uh, then after that, you uh, you found your way onto a field with True Lacrosse, and have since started our Utah program, and now are down in Florida. You know, changed the high altitude for the, uh, the beach life. So, welcome, Mason, to Full Tilt. First question I had for you: uh, We started talking about it. What do you think of the name Full Tilt? We haven't asked. Yeah, you yeah I'm a huge fan. I actually thought uh, when he, he sent me a a uh an invite and i was like man i wonder if he's just like playing around or if this is what it's actually called because i was like full tilt this is fantastic i mean that definitely plays in the theme of obviously lacrosse and then you know us uh uh you know full full boat trying to get into interviews and obviously information from you know from guys in our industry so that was pretty i like that i like that a lot i'd like to add one more thing to your uh your introduction and your biography uh, you would be you you would consider yourself a self proclaimed excuse me proclaimed lax rat right? I would agree yes yeah but I was uh, I wasn't born into it I had to I had to get into it from the outside and then uh, hopefully make my way up that was a little bit more of 
you know, coming from the Midwest in, in Missouri, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't big lacrosse area. So I had to, I had to kind of fight in a little bit, but it, it worked out well. Yeah. yeah how did I actually figure that out anyway? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, short story or long story. I mean, long story was I was playing, uh, a ton of different sports, obviously growing up through, you know, junior high and obviously uh, high school. But so, so my, my junior high, it was eighth and ninth grade at a building. So if you're in ninth grade, you're technically not even in the high school building. The high school building was like across town. And there's only two high schools in my whole town. Uh, the South side, which is the Rock, uh, Rockbridge University, and then Hickman, the North side, uh, where it was a little, little rougher, but we were way better at sports. So anyway, um, I ended up playing varsity basketball ninth grade. It was funny. I'd get out of school, 2.45, rush in the car, go to practice. However, at the high school, and be about five minutes later. Everybody else is warming up, and I, like, come cruising in uh, to varsity practice. So, anyway, when it comes to, you know, getting into lacrosse, I mean, I was playing, um, you know, I, I was playing. Hold on there. Sorry about that. There's like smoke show. Let's just go off. We'll have to edit that out, Mason. <laughs> what happened there? I was like, this is insane. I don't even I don't even see you We're guys anymore. Alive, Mason. Oh, I'm, I see you now. I thought I was like, did it go away? What happened? <laughs> you know, you started using one of the sticks to push you on the sport. Yeah. So, so high school, I was, I was doing football, basketball, obviously. And I was running track, actually, freshman year. And so... Uh, I didn't even start lacrosse until I was a sophomore. So anyway, my, my buddy got me into it. I stopped playing football uh, around my, pretty much my end of sophomore year and played basketball full time. And that was kind of like I was going to, you know, I was going to go D1 in basketball 100%. You know, I was a short white guy that couldn't shoot the three very well, but I, you know, I was going to go play. So um, anyway, my buddy was like, hey, you know, you're running track. I was running hurdles and some sprints. And so he gave me a lacrosse stick and I actually ended up just falling in love with it. But, um, you know, coming out of, coming out of Missouri, it was, it was kind of different just cause, uh, we kind of had a weird crew that was like really dedicated to the game and it was all, we were all in the same class. So our senior class was like 23 kids, I think on the lacrosse team, um, moving up. And so, you know, playing the St. Louis, like St. Louis teams, MICDSs, the CBCs and all that, you know, that we had to work our way up there. And it was always funny just because you play all these prep schools and, you know, they're always looking fancy getting on the field and we'd show up and I got clear shoulder pads that flop back and forth. And it's oh, like, we're, 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 we're sitting here. Yeah. We're sitting here. We're like, yo, we're about to outwork this team. They don't even know what's about to hit them. <laughs> so Mason, that was pretty much that. So, we're gonna we're gonna dive deep into that. Uh, that's like a Zoom buzzword now. Deep dive. Got to go deep dive on Zoom. Yeah. But uh, I think the plan today uh, is is you, you, myself, and Kevin are gonna continue the conversation that we started to build over the past couple of weeks about the you know if we had to pick, you probably follow the NFL top 100, right? 100 years of the NFL, 100 best players. We're like, okay, why don't we translate that into lacrosse? But we can't go 100 years back. We can't do 100 players because it'd be crazy. And mm -hmm. there's just not that many, you know, uh, there's, just, there's just not enough time in the day for us to really get into that. And we don't know enough about the guys that played 40 years ago because there wasn't as much documentation and video on. So yep. we said, let's do, you know, some modern era 
top 20, 22 guys, you know, depending on how you want to use specialty positions. Because even if you look at it, when you came into college, faceoff guys were just starting to be a thing. You know, there were the guys that took faceoffs and played, played midfield, and there were guys that, you know, then started just taking faceoffs and didn't do anything else. So obviously that was like a unique transition that happened in the past 15 years. So the criteria was let's figure out the top eight, you know, top seven, somewhere in that realm, midfielders, knowing that you're a midfielder, two-way guy, multi-sport guy, uh, you know, white basketball player, can't shoot the three. We wanted to bring you into the conversation. Uh, Kevin and I kind of started a preliminary conversation. And, and I've, got, I've got a list of guys that I, I think are, are no-brainers. But I think everybody differs a little bit based on who you grew up watching. And for you, Mason, it'll be really interesting because you didn't like – I grew up watching Channel 2 in Baltimore, WBAL, would play like every Hopkins game, every Saturday. So every Saturday yeah. I could watch every single Hopkins game. Now, I hate Hopkins, but – that's just a personal preference, but I got to see Kyle Harrison. I got to see all these great AJ Hogan, all these great midfielders play. And I think it'll be interesting to get, add you into the conversation as well as Finn's take. Cause Finn, you know, we got three kind of eclectic lacrosse backgrounds here that can kind of come together and maybe bring some sense to this list. I don't know who wants to fire off their first couple names or maybe their, their locks. Uh, Finn, Finn had a great one to start last time. Yeah. Yeah, the, the old timer. Um, well, we, we all skipped over Jim Brown, um, yep. which is kind of surprising. So obviously Jim's got to be on there. Although, you know, different game of the past. Nonetheless, you know, dominance is dominance, whatever you call the rules. As we got into our face-off uh, de uh, debate the other day about, you know, who, who would excel without, the, you know, with the, within the different rules over the last 20 years, because it's changed so much. But uh, I think you're referring to Frank Urso. Yes. Um, playing for the precursor of the Bayhawks and in Maryland guy, right? And two-time national champion. And I'll tell you why. We pulled up his picture of him in college. And the guy looked like a 45-year-old man with a mustache. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, I can understand why this beast was uh, uh, All-American and two-time national champ. I mean – if you could pull it up, I'll see it again. I'm working. I'm working on it. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, here we go. All right, so let's just uh, epic stud. Let's just bring. Let's just bring this full circle because the conversation. We didn't really realize what what kind of conversation we were getting into till after the equate. You know, here we go. I mean, yes. That guy's yeah. in college. Yeah, I mean, if this guy lined up next to me, like, I, I, <laughs> I got those those gloves and uh, the wooden shaft. He definitely did not wear any arm pads. No way. Shoulder pads being worn. Yeah. Um, he he's not he's not gonna do he's not gonna mess around. For the listeners out there, pull up Frank Urso in Maryland, and you'll see what we're talking about. I mean that that's all you that's all you need right there. Twerton Legends Award. Quite honestly, I wish the uniforms and the shorts and the socks would go back to that style. Yeah, yeah I want those socks. Yeah, the socks are legit. In fact, we might have to go that route for national events in the near future. Let's do it. Oh, it's it's sold. So Frank Urso's in the conversation. And they get everybody gets mustaches. Yeah. <laughs> if possible. And if you can't grow one, you know, you gotta figure something out. So you got you got Jim Brown, Frank Urso. Who who else you got here, Finn? Anybody you wanna, you wanna uh, yeah, I mean Paul Gates on there, um, because we said Gary uh, was more of an attackman, but one of the Gate brothers definitely has to be represented. 
Uh, you just want you want both Gate brothers on the team. You just don't know how you want to where, where them. to place them exactly. So right. I've got Kyle Harrison. I know uh, Josh Sims is a fan favorite of ours. Uh, another Princeton guy. Um, Schreiber's on there. Uh, Tom Schreiber also out of Princeton. Um, one that uh, you know I think could be borderline. Jay Jalbert. And he is a Virginia grad, but also a product of Cold Spring Harbor. And I got my first taste of some legit lacrosse when I played the Pisers when I was in high school and getting out to Cold Spring Harbor um, to play, you know, I'm sure the, the entire starting lineup was Division One committed. And um, where'd all the Pisers go? All the Hopkins or a combination of Hopkins? Yeah, uh, Greg went to... Greg went to, uh, Greg and Steven Pizer, right? Yeah, I think there's one more too, and they're all like all Americans. But Cold Spring Harbor, they they pump them out um, out on Long Island there, and uh, so yeah, that kind of wraps up some of my guys, some of my go-tos. I know there's some other good ones in there, but and, and this um, is great because this is probably not anything that maybe fall on Mason's radar, and I'm not positive. Mason, what do you got for us? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll stick with the Virginia trend. I mean, this one, this was actually my favorite guy growing Dixon? up. What? Kyle Dixon? No, uh, wow. Colin, Colin Briggs. Colin Briggs? Colin Briggs, Virginia. He, I, wanted every, I wanted to be like Colin Briggs so bad playing lacrosse uh, as, a midfield, as a midfielder. He came out of Virginia. He was, uh, uh, he was one of those two-way guys. Um, and he, he had a motor, man. He just an absolute motor. He was one of those guys that was just super gritty and would do all the dirty work. But then he'd, you know, also be scoring goals, making it look pretty easy, too. So uh, Colin Briggs was always one of my – that was always my number one guy. I think uh, I think I played against him, Pogue. That's what I mean. I, that's, he's a little bit more of your era, guys. Uh, you know, I was in yeah, – he must, he must have been in – he must have been like a freshman or sophomore when we played him. Because I was a, I was in high school when I was watching that guy. I feel so. like he was playing D-Midi at the time. Could have been. Could have been. Uh, I, I my, my, out of left field. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I know. But I, uh, that was like kind of one of my, uh, you know, I would say one of my earlier guys. I mean, obviously, you know, we got the Kyle Harrisons. Uh, Matt Abbott was a big one for me uh, because, one, he, he – I felt that he was like almost like a definition of what a lacrosse player should kind of like look like. He wasn't like some crazy muscular guy. Uh, and, you know, I feel like lacrosse sometimes, you know, people are like, oh, you got to be the biggest, fastest, strongest guy. I mean, dude, Matt Abbott was like, you know, he's just kind of like a tall, skinny guy, but he's just crazy athletic. And he was a – he was – you know, he still plays uh, – He still plays. He still plays. Mason, you, you got it all wrong. The, the whole reason why people, average guys, can play lacrosse is because it doesn't require you to be the biggest, strongest, fastest, like uh, yeah. football or uh, many times uh, baseball or, or uh, basketball. Uh, you can have these guys look like uh, total desk nerds, and maybe they are during the day, but, you know, they finish. He, he actually is an accountant. Matt Abbott is an accountant. <laughs> is he? I'm not kidding. Jake there you go. loves Matt Abbott, and he's like a nice guy who's an accountant. Yeah, I mean, he's just an ultimate two-way guy that can do it all in the middle of the field, and obviously he's just like that utility player. Uh, you know, then I got Ned Crotty. 
you know, I, I know that he played attack a lot in uh, college, but, you know, he was always back and forth between midfield and attack. Obviously, he was just a very offensive threat. Uh, I always like the way, you know, Ned Crotty and Tom Schreiber, I always really like the way that they throw and shoot. They really do it from the hip. It's real wristy. Uh, you know, good vision, obviously, good, good scoring threats. But, like, those guys uh, always stood out to me as well. Um, you know, obviously, and then you have like the Paul Rabels and the, uh, you know, Miles Jones. And uh, I even put down here Trevor Baptiste. I just was a big fan of him. Just I know that he was more of a face-off guy. And you said get into specialty stuff. But I think Trevor Baptiste obviously changed the game pretty drastically. Uh, and obviously, Greg Rillian's in that as well. But just that face-off specialty spot, uh, getting the ball for your teammate all the time, make it take it, especially with a group like Denver. I mean, you had, uh, I think, it was, was Ethan Walker there at the time? But, I mean, you had, you know, obviously a ton yeah. of guys go through Denver, and it's just like, man, if you got scoring threats like that, all you got to do is just have a guy that gets you the ball every time. And it was make it, take it like basketball, man. It's kind great. of funny. There's been a lot of good Denver teams, but I'm not, like, coming up with any Denver middies where I'm like, that's the guy. No, not middies, but attackmen. They had a lot of them. Yeah. They yeah. Had a lot of great players. You know, Denver was never, as, uh, you know, such a powerhouse uh, until uh, Tierney took over. I mean, they're like, you know, ranked in the top 30s uh, for at least a decade when I was playing or when I was following them. And now a tyranny takeover, you know, they're just top five uh, without question. Right. I was more referring to the fact that, like, you look at these some of these names and, like, it just seems that the midfield, Denver doesn't really ever have a guy that's, like, you know, like a signature, like, franchise player, if you will. Like, you think yeah. of Mark Matthews, you think of Denver, right? You think yep. of some of these, like, like Eric Law, some of these guys. Dylan Roy was a, was a Denver guy. Like, those those guys were not midfielders. So, it's a little bit interesting to put that way. So, a couple guys we didn't mention. Uh, Doug Shanahan, your, your, your coach down there in Florida. Yeah. Greatest cross player of all time. You're going to be pissed if you don't say he's the greatest cross player of all time. <laughs> he's the greatest cross player of all time. Hey, I, I, hey, I tell you what. I, like, watching, like I said, growing up as a kid, watching yeah. lacrosse, there was two guys that stuck out to me. One was Josh Sims mainly because when I was, like, in middle school, his brother was my middle school lacrosse coach. So, like, as soon as Josh finished up, like, winning, like, with, Sarah, with, with Princeton, he'd come down and be our assistant coach. And nice. he was just, like, 6'2", and he would just take, like, three steps and run past everybody, and he could play both sides of the field, and he was amazing. I mean, um, he des definitely was all calves. Um, all, yeah, all first team all calves all day. First team all calves all day. Yeah. That always gets you another boost. Uh, another one that uh, I forgot to mention was Seabald. Yep. That was such a hoss. And uh, forgot Max Seabald and Casey Powell. Yeah. Casey's yeah, one of those flex be, uh, players. He could play attack or midfield. So it's it's uh. There's, there's I think, a couple. I think Seabald should definitely be up there. I mean, he was he's a stud. Yeah. There's. I mean, Matt Strebel, you brought up earlier, Mason. Uh, unbelievable midfielder when Princeton was like in, in the prime of their existence, you know, like Josh Sims and Matt Strebel were both, and, and Matt was a heck of a dynamic player. He could do a little bit of everything. Wasn't maybe as imposing as your, you know, your, your uh, Josh Sims or Doug Shanahan, just big two way guys or like the other guy we didn't talk about is AJ Hogan. Um, you know, great, big, strong guys that could just go down the field and, kind of like be a midfielder, do both sides of the ball, which is, you know, not as much seen any day, anymore. But, yeah, Seabalt's definitely one I had on here. 
I think what we tried to do is narrow it down to like six guys. And that's where it gets really tough. Like six guys offensively and maybe like two guys like Matt Abbott, because Matt Abbott is just, you know, J- Jake had it down to a couple guys when we talked to him a little while back about this. And like Matt Abbott was high on his list, but um, I mean, getting I always, it to six would be definitely tough. Yeah, it gets tough, right? You know, like, and it's just, you just have to. But, think, but if you're doing college roster, then you take nine. True. True, but we're we're just looking at like, hey, let's let's yeah. do like a club team, and we're like we're picking the best club team we possibly can pick, and it's all from guys that either you know had great college careers and pro because some of these guys, you know, I mean, I think we got to get back to like who's our first line uh, based on who we just said, you know, I think I go, you know, maybe Kyle Harrison. Uh, uh, Urso and Powell, or you know, do we go Schreiber? Get Schreiber in there? I mean, I think I just clearly Harrison's from the fact. The first line. I know if I'm picking teams, Harrison's on the first line. I know if I'm picking teams, Jim Brown's in the first line because he was in the NFL for ten years, <laughs> <laughs> and he's six two, two thirty five. So, yeah. I mean, right? You want him on your wing, right, Finn? You know, uh, as a big wing guy, yes. Yeah, we had this conversation with RJ about the faceoffs. You're coming off the wing, and what are you doing? It's 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 go time. You know, <laughs> either you're picking up the ball or you're dropping somebody else. That's it. Right. So let's say Jim Brown, Kyle Harrison. That's that's your unanimous one, right? And I agree, Kyle Harrison. Like at his prime, there was there was nobody better on the field. He was he was Hopkins' entire offense when they made that championship run in like 05. Um who else yeah, we got? I think you either go Rabel or Powell, probably. Pogue? Yeah, I was I would probably say Rabel, just because he was pretty, you know, I, I know Powell was obviously a crazy dynamic player too, but I just feel like uh Rabel maybe did a little little bit more two way style than Powell is a little bit more just straight offense all the time. And obviously, Rabel's kind of like that nowadays where he's just playing a little bit more offense, obviously, but he wasn't always like that. I mean, you can get you can get into the the nitty-gritty. Like, Casey Powell played attack for two out of his three years and or four years at Syracuse. And yeah, he got to the pros. He played, you know, midfield. He played attack. He's an offensive player. He's one of those weird ones where you got to figure out where to put. But you could also, like, argue why wouldn't your attack just be all three pals? You yeah. Know? Different conversation. Um, I think you, you go with your second midfield line. You go I, – I would I would say Josh Sims and Doug Shanahan both have to be in heavy consideration there. Yeah. I would definitely put Doug up there for sure. I mean, Mason, you keep giggling. The guy – He played him. in the NFL too, dude. Yeah, he played <laughs> in the NFL. Like, if you're an elite athlete right? – Yeah. You're going to be that is an elite athlete, and then you also were the best player in that sport when they invented the Twarton Award, and he won it. Like, yeah, I don't think there's an argument. I mean, I think you got Tom Schreiber coming off there too. I would 100% agree. We just interviewed uh, Coach Bates of the Archers, and he was like, "I was like, who's the Michael Jordan of lacrosse?" And he's like, "I was like, right now." And he's like, "Tom Schreiber, hands down, it's not even close." Yeah, he's extremely good. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I think that's that's an interesting take. You know, granted, he coached him and he's on the archers, but still, like, I don't think he would ever – he didn't hesitate, and it was pretty simple. He's like, I got to go with my guy, Tom. So, uh, and, and, you know, Tom's won championships at the pro levels. 
uh, yep. pretty, pretty consistently. So, well, outdoor and indoor. Right, that's what I'm saying. And, and he's he's playing both, which is an anomaly. Like that doesn't happen. No. Like very few guys can do that. All right, so we got Jim Brown, Kyle Harrison, Paul Rabel, Josh Sims, uh, Doug Shanahan. And yep. Tom Schreiber, that's six. I would say we go to eight. And, you know, I think when you're looking at this list, uh, it's hard to leave off the Gate brothers. Yep. Like, you got to have Paul Gate. And, I mean, I, I still think it's, it's a valid conversation to put a guy like Matt Abbott on there. Yeah, I mean, who else? Who, what are the, Give me a couple other names that are on there. Uh, I mean, you still have uh, – Finn's boy, Frank Urso, but I think we'll put him on the all-mustache team, the all-facial hair team. Yeah. Uh, Jay Jalbert, Ned Crotty, Miles Jones. Max Seabald would come to mind, too. Oh, we didn't, bring, we didn't get Miles Jones going. In fact, we probably missed a couple of Duke guys. Yeah, I mean, other That's Duke guys I can yeah. think of. I mean, dude, I'd, put, I'd, I'd take Ned over Miles Jones all day of the week. Uh, Ned, Ned's, Ned's obviously a pretty dynamic player because he played attack too. Miles My, is just a matchup nightmare. Yeah, um, I get that, but he's still he's not as like he's physically dominant, but he's not like scoring goals like these other guys. Yeah, I wonder uh, where Miles ranked um, in points for uh, for the PLL. Let's take a look, Finn. He's yeah. more. He, I would say he's lower half. We we've got some time. Hold on. I guarantee you, he's lower half. Uh, they did it. They did a pretty good job with the stats this year. I'm not gonna lie. I gonna throw Sergio Perkovic up there. Uh, you, do you think Sergio Perkovic should be there, dude? I mean, he got invited to the Browns training camp last year. Yeah, I think a lot of guys had some, you know, very limited uh, trials with uh, or tryouts with NFL. But nah, yeah, I don't think uh, Sergio makes it makes it top ten. No, not the all time, but so this is interesting. Top, top, top five points uh, in the in the PLL last year: Matt Rambo, forty-two; Tom Schreiber, thirty-seven; Justin Guttering, thirty-five; uh, Connor Fields, thirty-three; and Jules Henneberg, thirty-three. So all all the top point getters are attackmen, except for Tom Schreiber. Yep, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and then your t your total goals: Marcus Holman, Will Manny. Connor Fields. Okay, so look at this. This is even more of an argument for how good Schreiber is. Uh, Marcus Holman and Will Manny are both on the Archers and both are, you know, 25 goal scorers in a season. They average two goals a game. And Tom Schreiber is their midfielder feeding them. <laughs> yeah, as a midfielder, that's incredible. That's something, that's something crazy to think about. Because check it out. Top, top assists – all right, in the leagues, here, here are your top assists. Matt Rambo, 23. All right, and Tom Schreiber, 18. Yeah, the dude's doing it all. Yeah. I mean, the middies aren't even – it just seems like the middies aren't even much of a conversation there. I mean, I'm trying to pull up the full stats, but I don't know if they have these. Did you see, see Miles on there or he's not listed? I'm looking right now. I'm trying to figure out how, this, how they got this uh... – And you could have a hot take just saying – it's because they changed the ruling a lot, and that's why you got poles bringing it over more. So they've taken away kind of the midfield stature of it. And that's why a lot of attackmen are playing midfield now. So you just have like five attackmen on the field, six attackmen on the field. Yeah, I mean, uh, Miles Jones, here we go. 18, 18 points, seven goals, 10 assists. That's what I mean, dude. He only had seven goals last season. That's not bad. I mean, 
seven goals more than I had in the PLL this year. It's also true. Yeah, so, you know. So, but that, my job is to have hot takes against it, though. So, here we go. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you're, you're right. And they also have them listed at 6'5", 260. 260, man. It's thick. No, he's not 260. 260, bro. Is he going to try out for the uh, for the tie in, dude. <laughs> Tax miles, see if he's going to try out. Uh, all right. So, so Paul Gate is seven. Number eight. What do you got, Finn? I saw him do some footwork on a video the other day. He didn't have, uh, seem to have NFL style footwork. <laughs> but, you know, that's just coming from me who knows a lot about the NFL and professional sports. So, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You're a Chicago Bears fan. How could you not? Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So, I mean, my vote would be out of the group we have here is probably Seabold. Uh, I would agree. I would like, I like to see. I mean, I, I know, I know Finn saw him play. I saw him play. I played against him. I mean, the, the guy just, he looked kind of like, like a, like a free safety out on the field. That was like, he could accelerate and just smack somebody if he wanted to at any time. Did Matt Abbott make that third one? No, Top eight? no, we can throw him on there though. Yeah. I would say Matt and uh, just make nine with three lines of midfield. I'm saying most most teams have nine midfielders, man. It's all, it's all good. We're, we're we're making this up as we go. We're not. There's no rules here. Yeah. Um, I think the th- the three guys are Abbott, Crotty, and Strebel. Yeah, I, I I took out Crotty and put in Paul Gate. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, you can't not have the Gate. Both Gate. Yeah, 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 the Gate in there. They they were both so dominant. Plus, we we don't have a lot of lefties here. I would flip flop Schreiber and Paul Rabel. You put 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 Schreiber on the first line. That would you, you would? Yeah. I mean, if that's the case, you can have Schreiber and then just get, you know. No, you can have Doug take face-offs. He's not a face-off guy, but he'll take them. <laughs> he'll do it, dude. He'll take them. <laughs> he'll take them, baby. All right. I mean, that that's that was that was that was clean. That was crisp. My oh. only argument there is are we, you know, because you were talking about face-off and like the wings and stuff. I mean, obviously you don't have three shorties taking the thing, taking the face-off, so Oh no, we we we've we've done long poles, so we've got a okay, we've got a list sure. of long poles. We got we got Brody Merrill on the team. We we're set there, dude. Yeah, I was gonna say. I hope Joel Wagner. Jaden didn't make the cut, actually. No, he didn't. No. Which I'm sure he was pushing for himself. But. Yeah, I mean, dude, Joel, every Joel time White, Joel White would be my number one, hundred percent. See, that's funny because we we brought that up, and he Jake was like, Jake almost called Joel White and Scotty Ratliff. Like those, he said, those two guys aren't like defensive players. He's like, those guys are offensive players with long poles. They play a great defense. The stuff they can do with their, with their stick work. He said, yeah. he's like, I would put them on offense. <laughs> and I was like, it's not, not a bad idea. Yeah. Outside the box. <laughs> they, could probably, they could probably play man up. <laughs> I would think so. So, um, Pogue. Yeah. Here's here. And, uh, you know, Kevin, I need you to interrupt me as much as possible with, with great questions here. We got to get, we got to get, a, we got to d- dive deep into like how did Mason Pogue get to, to Delray beach, Florida. Uh, and he didn't do it to become a bodybuilder. I know that much. Which is I definitely people. did not. There's only two reasons you go to Florida no, become a bodybuilder or be a pro wrestler. So it'd be in the cards. <laughs> but, I mean, nothing's impossible, right? Who thought, you know, and I won't give it away, but, you know, this guy's traveled across the country, and now he's uh, sticking with lacrosse as he's a, a self-proclaimed lax rat. So, um, yeah, anyway, carry on. So, talk to us. You, you, grew, you grew up in Columbia, Missouri. What, 
What, what do you do in Columbia, Missouri as a kid? Part of the 4-H club? Oh, man, yeah. No, it was Future Farmers of America, FFA. Yeah, go in detail. I need to hear. Oh, exactly yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, so I grew up, I technically grew up uh, not in Columbia, Missouri. I grew up in Harrisburg, Missouri is my actual hometown. I lived on the line of Harrisburg, Missouri and Columbia, Missouri. So I actually went to Harrisburg for elementary and growing up. And so that's a, I mean, that's a town of 200 people. How many people are in Columbia? Now, uh, over a hundred now. Uh, but when I was living, when I was there, probably like 75,000. No, a hundred thousand. Okay. Yeah. Like a hundred thousand. Yeah. That account for the school being in session or not? Uh, that is without school being in session. Okay. So when school's in session, there's like another 35 rolling in. So, <laughs> um, so no, I, so anyway, I, I actually went to Harrisburg, Missouri for, for school and started playing basketball and doing the sports there. But it was funny because once I got to junior high, so, or actually middle school, sorry, middle school, my dad kind of sat my brother and I down cause he was doing the same thing. And he's like, all right, guys, what do you, you know, if you stay in Harrisburg, you're going to be like the guy out of sports, or you could go into town and, you know, we can have a better sports career there and you're not going to be, and maybe you are the guy, maybe you're not the guy. And I was like, dude, I definitely want to just go into town. It seems like way better. Um, and that's when we were, you know, Hickman was pumping out. We were like winning, Hickman was like winning state championships and they were, you know, what sport? Yeah. In basketball and basketball uh, and football. We had, we had my, my freshman year, we won football and basketball in the same what, year. What, you got like, 1A, 2A, 3A, what, what like size school? Uh, we, were, we were 6A, so we were the biggest high school in Missouri. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> you guys would go beat up on, like, you know, your your St. Louis schools and, you know. Uh, yeah, we would. Schools there, from Branson. There's, Branson yeah, there's a few, few years we would beat up on a lot of guys. I mean, there was some, some we'd go play, like, inter-squad city or, you know, Kansas City downtown, and it was like, man, we weren't, some of those teams we definitely weren't beaten, uh, or at least in the regular season. Um and they would get knocked off some other way. But anyway, I uh, – no, I'd, and so anyway, that's kind of how I got at least just moving back and forth between sports. And then when it comes to lacrosse, I mean, I didn't – like I said, I didn't start until I was a sophomore in high school. My buddy gave me a stick, and he actually gave me – I started defense, and that's just because I was coming out of basketball season. I was crazy in shape. I actually remember my first practice. We were my, – my coach, he was like a uh, – he, he was an elementary teacher for one of the schools around there. He, you know, he didn't really know much about lacrosse, but he, you know, he was a big team unity type of guy and he was more of a who, you know, hooray guy. And so uh, the guy, uh, his name was Jamie, uh, I'm blanking his last name, but um, he, our first day of practice, I show up and, you know, it's right after basketball season. We got knocked out that year, sophomore year, I think like first round of playoffs. And so I can just go straight to lacrosse practice and we're just doing straight conditioning. And I'm like, I'm coming off a basketball season. My, my basketball coach was kind of a psycho. He was like a super old school, like grab your chest, like get in your face uh, type like of guy. Breath, get in your face, right? Like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He would be the guy I had for lunch and breakfast. Oh yeah. And you would just, he would get after you pretty hard, dude, just verbally. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I mean, if you did that nowadays, I mean, you probably get arrested. So it's like, yeah. so I grew up with that just in basketball. Oh, so what? Isn't that funny how all of our coaches at some point, you know, usually they're football coaches, but whatever, basketball, just back in the day, anytime you tell a story, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, these days should be arrested. Like, yeah. Our coaches just doing things that'll get you arrested. Uh, or, I do. They're just that intense. Like, it's so, like verbally. Just, yeah.
we like we didn't even have sticks we were just straight up conditioning and i remember all my buddies you know they were just kind of yeah misfit guys that were playing lacrosse or some couple guys played football uh and you know unfortunately there's not a ton of conditioning obviously in football uh you know at least long distance stamina style and so um i was just like running circles around these guys and i remember my assistant coach his name was brandon huck and he uh he comes up to me, he's like, Hey Mason, like, dude, you're, you know, after like a week of like tryouts, technically, he's like, Hey Mason, you got like a good chance to make it varsity. And I'm like, Oh dude, like sweet. I love you it. Haven't, I've, never played, haven't even touched I've, I've never, run. I've never played this sport in my life. You, like, you what literally you have done nothing but run and you're, <laughs> you're like, dude, you're going to make varsity. Have you seen me throw yet? Cause I can't. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so anyway, I had, I, they gave me a defenseman, they gave me a long pole. And so I was just like, yeah, I can keep, this is what I got to do. I got to keep him in front of me. And like, you know, this is great. This basketball. is super easy. Yeah. yeah. Just came off Did you get like a basketball stance, like, like hands out with oh, like the stick? Dude, I would, I would, I would have one, yeah, like this. And I would yeah. go like this sometimes, especially when I was in the hall, I'd be pointing. I just have my stick up and I'd just be pointing at guys. Wow. And then, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I was. I was just like a work hard guy. And anyway, I would wait for obviously, I wouldn't do like a ton of, I didn't really take the ball away a ton, but like if it was in the open field, I would just go get it or the ball would be down. I go get it. I would sprint down. And I remember I'd always underhand flip it to somebody because I didn't know how to bring it up above my head and throw it yet. And so that was like my first year ever of playing lacrosse. And then after that, I mean, the coach saw me obviously running up and down the field because it was, you know, just like basketball. You just fly up and down. And so uh, he gave me, he, you know, got a short stick, played midfield, and uh, never never went back. I just hang out with my buddies playing, playing catch more and more and just figured out how to actually throw the thing and actually ended up – obviously it's not tough – after you get used to it. And then obviously playing basketball, I had good hands. So, um, you know, <laughs> getting the stick skills down, I turned into a scoring that pr scoring threat pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, anyway, that was, that was kind of a high school career, if you will. <laughs> where did, uh, where did Carthage see you play? I mean, were you like going to recruiting events? How did that work? Oh, uh, dude, no, I was never, or, or, it was in St. Louis. Then you'll know this uh, with, uh samurai remember the club samurai oh, yeah they were around then wow yeah they were around then and um my buddy nick condon eddie condon's kid uh was playing and i i had a connection yeah. with him uh we were friends kind of through high school and so anyway that was kind of the connection through like st louis lacrosse um that i had and i would go over there and play with the samurai but anyway no i never went to any recruiting thing never went to none of that stuff um ended up uh I didn't even get, I didn't even get recruited out of my senior year of, uh, uh, high school. I ended up, uh, filling out tons of applications. To be honest with you, I was, I was going to go to Old Miss and play club, club ball. That was like, that was like the goal. Like, Hey man, we got to go play club ball at Old Miss. And just play the school. So wait, Mace. <laughs> yeah. Mace, what, what, uh, did you have good grades in high school? I had good grades. Yeah. I mean, I would say, uh, I mean, consider what's your definition of good. Like uh, you just said you had good ones. So I got to hear what you think is good is. <laughs> I mean, I was rocking. I rocked. I think I graduated high school with like a three, four, three, three, yeah. somewhere in there. So I was like, yeah, I was, you know, that was good. And good ACTs. Yeah. I had a strong ACT. Uh, didn't have to take the SATs or any of that stuff. Uh, but definitely took my ACT like six times though. Like definitely didn't just take it once. Took it a bunch of times. Oh really? I took it. Yeah. I got, I got above like 1200. I'm like, I'm done. Never oh, no, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think I had a low score right off the bat, like whatever sophomore year, and then I took it a few more times, and it ended oh, up. So you had good grades, 
you, you're, you're out there in Columbia, Missouri. Yep. And you're like, I want to try to get to some type of college to play lacrosse. Yeah. So it was, it's, we're going back to what Finn said, like how did Carthage see it? It's like, I ended up filling out a ton of different, uh, uh, applications and all this stuff. And to be honest with you, uh, my buddy, Dan Hurst, you guys probably know Dan Hurst, maybe, uh, he, he, um, he went to Carthage. He was there as a freshman. He ended up getting, um, you know, he had some personal things going on, uh, some, some school things going on and ended up not playing anymore. So anyway, that was kind of like my connection there. And so was Nick Condon. So, you know, I actually took a year off out of high school after filling out all these applications. I worked at the uh, Columbia Pool and Spa, which was Dan Hurst's dad's company. And I was just, I was a pool boy for a whole summer. I and, yeah. And it was actually great. <laughs> I was great, dude. Before I would clean the pool, I would just like wear my swim trunks. Be honest, that's why you're in Florida. You want to be, yeah, I, I would jump in and then there'd be like half the, half the parents would come out and be like, Hey, what are you guys doing? And we're like, Oh, we're cleaning the pool. Sorry. I was just like, it's 900 degrees out here. Like I'm just taking a quick dip. <laughs> this is my 30th pool of the day like what do you want me to do <laughs> so, so rather than go to school right after high school you're yep. like i'm just going to take a year off and i'll work yeah and i worked and i saved i saved zero money uh it was What'd living you do? out dude i was just dude i was making i was making what a pool boy makes man i was making nothing and yeah, so let me work you living at home with papa pogue yeah i was living at papa pogue i was buying gas hanging having time to hang out and you know probably be an idiot and so place in uh at Mizzou, that's got the uh, alcoholic Slurpees. That's the only thing they sell. Yeah, Tropics. Is that they? That's the only thing they sell in the whole place. Is like correct. Tropical liqueurs is the place called. There's the machines. It's all machines on the back, and it just has all the. Yeah, but you were only 18 at the time. You can't. Go. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't be doing that. So, <laughs> uh, so and I was just working pool. But anyway, I was on be recruited. Obviously, that website that was back then. I don't know if that thing's still around anymore. I don't know either. I remember it though. Yeah, be recruited. And this is what, 2009, 2010? I graduated in 2008, so. Yeah, so 2009, right? 2000. Yeah, so 2009 is, yeah, so that, that thing was still up, updated and ready to go. And so anyway, Carthage hit me up and was like, hey, uh, we have a, you know, we have a spot for you. And I think that, that was the second year uh, that they were a program. So obviously they're bringing in like tons of guys, um, which was fine. I was like, oh, this is great. I get to go to school. My dad was freaked out, obviously, because he was like, you're never going to go back to school and it's okay. Um, I was like, going back to what you said, uh, LC, I was in the FFA. So I was actually technically like training and going to like these classes in high school to become just like a welder, like an underwater welder to get into tech school. Like that's what I was going to do. And wow. yeah, so I was like in, I was in state fairs with like building trailers and like fence, like sheep fences and like all this stuff. Is I that, like, is I, that just, is that like what your peers were doing? Is that like, that's, dude, that's what we were doing. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I was the outsider in that whole crew because I was like, I was the jock. I like played sports and all these other guys. What did your, like, your other buddies do? They're welders and they rode dirt oh, bikes. Dude, like, welders. We had one guy's name. His, I'm not making this up. His name was Forrest and he went to, he went to Marshall University. In West Virginia? Rode, no, in, in Missouri. Oh. He went to Marshall in, in Missouri and he rode Broncos and he actually uh what made it pro for like a couple years i don't know what he's doing now but uh he was actually like riding bucking broncos like that was what he was doing um so that was kind of crazy like you could go to school for that i didn't even know that after a while so your boy your buddies are either underwater welders they're bucking broncos uh, i mean or they just literally uh one of my good buddies named zach sander 
he's the he still is nowadays to this day he's the biggest farmer in the midwest uh and so we, we were best friends with like him and obviously his family friends and he still and he runs the show now gene is his dad he like kind of handed it off to zach and it's funny because he just takes care of like this ginormous farm it's called sns sod uh, so they run sod farms and a bunch of different stuff. But uh, anyway, so yeah, that's like what my buddies were doing. And so I was the, kind of the outsider. I was like, man, I kind of put more of my eggs in the sports basket. You know what I mean? Um, and so after I took that year off, Coach Neff hit me up. David Neff hit me up and was like, hey, we need another midfielder. And that's when they were taking all those guys. Uh, you know, my, my freshman year, I want to say we had like 40 dudes come in, 35 guys come in, which is like a ton. Um, and anyway, I mean, the, I got tons of different stories on just how the first few <laughs> practices went in college. I mean, that was quite the ordeal. Yeah, with all those new players, tough to have like a, uh, you know, uh, a culture or some semblance of like, um, you know, like a real team that's structured when all these guys are new and they don't hear, you know, the lingo and, you know, yeah. we're from uh, middle of Missouri. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, straight up. It, yeah, it was it was kind of crazy just because, uh, you know, after, I was the oldest guy in my grade, and then I took a year off. So literally, uh, when spring hit, like literally right when I was done with my freshman year, I was already 21 years old. So I was like already like way older than everybody. <laughs> oh, so man. These guys coming in from like Illinois, like, you know, the, the, you know, the Western Springs and like the, all those teams are in Illinois. And it's like, who's this guy that's 21 years old and he's like a freshman. He just ended his freshman year. Like, what is yeah, going he's on? From, he's from beer. Beer. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm buying beer. Like, yeah, it's like a, so, yeah, so it was funny. Cause like, once you graduate, when I was like a senior, I mean, dude, I was 24 years old and like, <laughs> I didn't know that was a real thing until I obviously experienced it, but I was like, dude, I already like, yeah, I was just more experienced and stronger at that point. What happened right after Carthage? So, um, you know, you have success playing lacrosse there. You're full, full lacrosse, all lacrosse all the time. Obviously true is a good place to fit in um, with that mentality. So what was, what were the steps then? Yeah. I mean, I think what really kind of drawn me to drew me to true is actually if you back up two years during college, I was, I was using my summers to go up to uh, Portland, Maine, Naples, Maine. And I would spend my summers there like 11 weeks, uh, the whole summer up at this summer camp. And it was for kids. Uh, we'd live, literally live in a bunk. There'd be 11 kids in a bunk with two counselors and we'd all live close quarters. And you know, you would essentially be their mom, dad, babysitter, counselor, best friend, coach, all the above. And, you know, obviously the whole camp stuff, like making your beds and the horn going off, the breakfasts, all that jazz, doing all the camp stuff. But I think that's what drew me to, hey, I'm pretty good at this, uh, like working with kids and just being like an influence to kids, uh, positive influence to kids. And so I was like, okay, then obviously how can I relate to lacrosse with that? And obviously true was, you know, Chicago was right there. Uh, and I had uh, my, my buddy, Adam Samarco. Um, he, you guys obviously know his younger brother, Matt. Um, but Adam was playing true lacrosse for a couple of years. And he was like, Hey, like I do this in the summer and coach for these guys, like part-time, you should try it out. And so boom, I tried it out, worked for a couple camps 
and ended up uh, Dean hit me up and was like, Hey, you know, we kind of, we love how you coach, like your energy, you know, this and that, like what's, what's your plans after college? And I was like, well, I'm trying to be a physical therapist uh, after college. I was working a physical therapy job uh, at Accelerated uh, Rehab, which was the company's name. And then I was working true lacrosse part-time, just coaching, obviously, camps and stuff. And I lived in the Northwest. I live in Lake in the Hills, Illinois, which is, like, way out there, Northwest suburbs. And so, anyway, just by doing that, I realized, okay, hey, you know, this this rehab thing is really not for me. It was pretty slow. I needed something a lot more fast paced than that. Uh, I liked what I was doing. I was obviously helping, you know, people get, you know, recover from injuries or surgeries or things like that. And so that was like really beneficial, but I just needed, I couldn't push paper like that for that long. And so I uh, got involved with true lacrosse and then Dean obviously hit, you know, said, all right, well, can you run some teams here and see if you can build this? And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. So he, you know, kind of gave me in charge of the Northwest after a little while. I remember that first time Dean hit me up. He goes, he's like, yeah, we're going to meet at this, uh, it was Canterbury Park. It was like out in the middle of somewhere in the Northwest suburbs. And, uh, you know, he was like, we're going to see if you can do it. We're going to see if you're like, you know, if you got the, the it, if you will, for, for true lacrosse. And I'm like, okay. And so I show up and it was actually Brandon Baker's class. That was like our U11 team or U10 team at the time. The people's champ. Yeah, the people's champ, which, by the way, that team, like, everyone went, like, Division One, pretty much. And so, anyway, uh, he showed – he I show up. I get to the practice. Like, all these kids are there. And I'm like, this is great. I don't, I don't even skip a beat. I was, I've was i been doing this for three years at that point, like, hanging out with kids and, like, coaching them lacrosse or coaching them with whatever. And so, I'm getting them all fired up, getting them moving. And, like, all of a sudden, it's time for practice to start. And Dean's obviously not anywhere to be found. And so, you know, I text him real quick. I'm like, hey, Dean, you coming? And he just never hit me back. And I was like, well, all right, well, we just start. So I got him all stretched out, straight up ran to practice. He shows up like an hour later. And he was like, he's like, oh, you got him going? I'm like, well, yeah, you're like an hour late, man. Like, what do you like? What do you want me to do? And at this time, I was like, okay, maybe he's like never late to stuff. But then, you know, obviously. We, we wait, get wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. I thought that this was, he said he was testing you. He yeah, was talking about it the whole time watching, right? No, he definitely wasn't watching, but he might have been sitting there for like ten minutes, maybe. But like, no, he showed up definitely late, and you know, he 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 still claims to this day that it was a test. But I yeah, feel like yeah, it was just, was he the, didn't realize how far I, away this field you. was. I got you. I had to see how you were gonna do, Mason. Yeah. You got to see what's going on. So. Yeah, so anyway, I crushed the practice, and then you know he got me in the office a few days later and was like, "All right, what do you, what do you want to do here? Like, you want to try to take off of this Northwest thing? It's like a new region, trying to do it or build it up and." I was like, yeah, sure, I'll give it a run. And, uh, you know, we ended up Northwest, got to like 100 kids pretty quick, and then it just started to keep building after that. I think I was there for like three and a half years. Uh, ended up building it to like a 230-man market. And uh, that was just, you know, single-handedly, well, I was just the only director doing that area. And obviously a lot of help with Dean and some other guys on the team, obviously. But, um, you know, and then obviously, and then and then we ended up getting the, uh, some other guys in the Northwest to take over when I left for Utah. So, yeah, so maybe, still talk about uh, Chris Coho and with all the Carthage and Northwest. That's right. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, just with the Carthage crew, I mean, there were so many kids out of my class that are just from Illinois period, you know, between the uh, Western Springs, the Schomburg, the uh, Lions Township, 
you know, all those areas, like, you know, there was a ton of guys that just lived or Glen Ellen, even in the West suburbs, like there was a lot of guys just kind of all in that area that went to Carthage just because they were a newer program. Obviously it was a lot, a little easier to get in and play. Um, and so, yeah, when I moved to the Northwest, it was like, well, I need, you know, I need part-time coaches. I can't run 220 kids out of practice, you know, all the time. And uh, so it was like, so Dean was like, well, you got to find coaches. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to hit up all my buddies <laughs> that live here. So I was like Chris and Rerick and Dorn and, uh, uh, you know, Ahern obviously was in the mix for a while. Uh, we taught that guy to be a great coach. He's the man. Um, I don't even know what he's doing nowadays, but. No clue. Mason, to tie this all, tie this all together in a bow, right? <laughs> so I think one of the, the things we wanted this to translate to, to either parents or players listening is uh, there, there's no, it, it, there's so much opportunity out there. And I think one of the things I always get frustrated with is you have a kid come in and say, you know, my dream is to play college across. Right. And I always like, is that really your dream? Or is that just like the trend of the day that you're interested in the flavor of ice cream, the, you know, the flavor of the day. Because for you, you made it a reality, but you also were willing to do things that I think a lot of people would be scared to do. Like you left your comfort zone. You went to Kenosha, Wisconsin from Columbia, Missouri, where how many people did you know when you walked on campus? Zero. Zero, right? So I think the easy thing for a lot of kids to do is like go and, you know, be a part of something that they are like, wow, this is great. Like, yeah, of course, everybody wants to go to Hopkins and Syracuse and UNC and you know, be that kind of player, but that's just not the reality of it, you know, especially coming yeah. from some non-traditional areas. You know, I think our goal as, as directors is to make sure that these kids, you know, understand what their goal is really, and then what it takes to get there and then understand that the decision-making process and some of the choices they're going to have to internalize are not comfortable ones. Right. So like you've always been a guy who's like, yeah, I'll, I'll go do that. I'll jump in the pool. Like yeah. talk to us about, your mentality, like obviously as like a 19 year old making a decision to leave your hometown, which you'd never left before, correct? No, not, not seriously like that. No. And you never heard anybody in your hometown and said, Hey, I'm going to Carthage in Kenosha. Correct? No, to be honest with you, I don't even, I knew where Chicago was because of Michael Jordan. And that's, yeah, I didn't know where Wisconsin was. <laughs> <laughs> and and you, you didn't know anybody who had gone and played college across in your hometown, correct? Definitely not. Definitely so, not. The, you literally bucked every single trend. And, and, and like, let's, let's be honest, most people kind of like listen to what their peers are saying and like, Oh, you know, like in my area, everybody's like, I'm going to go to Salisbury. I'm going to go to Towson. I'm going to go to university of Maryland and go to a state school. or I'm going to go somewhere like within an hour away. So like you just, I mean, what is it? Eight hour drive. Yeah. You? It's like eight and a half hours to Kenosha. Yeah. 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 So you went eight hours away. Talk me through like how you made that decision. And like, was it easy? Was it tough? Like who, did your dad help you out with that? Like what, what, what was your like line of reasoning to do it? Uh, I mean, I think my, I think short answer for was my reasoning is because I saw a couple of my, like, so I have an older brother. He's two years older than me. And I, I watched a bunch of his friends and my brother just one, not go to school or two, just never leave Columbia. And it's funny because if you like go down that list and you look at who's still there, they're all still there. Like my brother has a house in Columbia now, all of his buddies are still there. And it's like, dude, you guys just never left the bubble, man. You know what I mean? And, and I, and I understand that I get that. Um, but I was a pretty in, independent 
uh, guy anyway, just kind of growing up. I was just kind of always doing my own thing and, you know, very social. I had a bunch of friends and uh, liked to be out and about, didn't really hang out at the house a lot. Uh, and, and, you know, that obviously bugged the parents every once in a while, just cause they're like, Hey, you're like, can you like, are you getting any of your stuff done? Are you completing any of like your tasks just because you're like, go, go, go all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I just like to do that. I'm just kind of a hyper guy. Uh, you know, some, And so I was like, well, I don't know what the next stage is here, but the next opportunity that comes, like, I'm just going to take it. And I remember my, uh, uh, that opportunity came with obviously David Neff and, and being like, Hey, you got, you got into school here. You can go get a four-year education and play lacrosse on top of it. I'm like, Oh man. coming back to Columbia like where are you going and I was like no I don't know I'm just not I just I'll just tell you right now like I'm not coming back to Columbia and he was like well that's kind of harsh and I'm like well I'm just letting you know <laughs> you know that you would be across one side of the country and then headed to uh complete opposite terrain and dynamic yeah and, you know. no I mean I, I would agree I mean and so you know fast forward girlfriend of like five years ended up just breaking up with me we had a place together in the northwest suburbs and uh she broke up with me so I was like all right so what's tying me to Illinois at this moment oh yeah like nothing no, nothingness I absolutely zero percent of anything uh obviously it's great to have this job and so I was like I see us opening some other markets at that time you know what I mean uh I think we were getting into uh I think Wisconsin was kind of starting off. Minnesota was obviously booming. Michigan was booming at the time. Um, and, and I was like, I, I, I was like, I can go, I can go do this somewhere else. This is no problem. I'll see what the opportunities are here. And we, I ended up running a camp out in Utah. It was a two, it was a, it was a four day camp from 10 to noon every day. It was a two Syracuse, hour. Syracuse, Utah. Syracuse, Utah, which I Syracuse, thought was like the Utah. center, the center point of Utah, Salt Lake, and it just wasn't even close. It's like no. a super small town outside of, <laughs> out of Salt Lake. And so anyway, I went out there with Jack Moran and Sammy uh, Senko, and we stayed at a La Quinta for five days. Um, I had no money. I had, I had like literally had no money, and neither did those other two guys. And I remember. Um, uh, going out there and running that camp. It was a two hour camp. I think there was like 46 kids there or something that were signed up for the camp. So it was us three just crushing it on like this small park. And throughout the day, after those two hours, we would just go see the city and we'd go hikes and do all this outdoor stuff. And I, and I remember sitting up, I, I was, as funny, I actually have a picture of it. Uh, I was sitting next to Jack and Sammy and we were all looking, we like climbed this, we climbed the Wasatch as, as I noted at this point but we climbed up a little bit looking over the air force base because that's kind of where syracuse was and uh i literally looked at him i'm like hey guys like i'm just gonna move out here and they looked at me like what what are you talking about mason like you're the northwest guy in illinois i was like no i'm just 
I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to come out here to Utah. No, I'm this guy now. No, I'm going to be this guy now. And they were like, okay, like what, like, and just like passed it along. And I remember I, uh, we were on the plane ride back home and I wrote down like this huge proposal of like, okay, here's the steps of what I'm going to take to get all these kids to play lacrosse out in Utah. And I remember flopping it on Mike and Jake's desk on Monday, the following Monday. And I was like, Hey guys, here's X, Y, Z. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's the plan. Here's the quick year plan is what's going to happen immediately when I hit the ground. Oh, and by the way, my lease is up in October. Uh, and we did this, I think in September, this camp in September. And I was like, yeah, my lease is up in like three weeks. You're going to move me out there and I'm going to start true lacrosse Utah. And they were like, they kind of just sat there and on being like, what? Like, is he really just saying like, he's just going to roll out there and just do this. And I was like, yeah, guys, this is, this is the plan. I'm going to go do it. And they were like, okay. And so they, they gave me the, okay. I remember packing the old red blazer and Boone in the truck and uh, hauled my crap out in a U-Haul, which none of it I owned. It was all my old girlfriend stuff. She just like left it. So I was like, I'm taking all this. And, uh, and got in a U-Haul and drove all the way out there, dude. Boone was in the bench seat in front of me in the U-Haul. It took like four days to get out there. And uh, yeah, man, it's rest. That's, I mean, that's, 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 the kind of stuff, trip. that's the kind of stuff you love to hear. Cause I get, you know, like I said, I think we all have conversations with young athletes and they're like always looking about like everywhere else except their own, like, what, what are you interested in and what are you going to do and, and move forward? Like, don't, don't look back, move forward. Like you can control what you can control. That's it. Mason, we lose you. He looks frozen. He might be a little frozen. We'll bring him back here. And with that being said, Mason, not making our top eight midfielders of all time, but definitely has had a storied upbringing. <laughs> um, middle of Missouri, Utah to Florida to spreading lacrosse and young people's lives across the country. Absolutely. He goes full tilt all the time. Mason, Mason is the definition of full tilt. Right off the podcast. We we definitely lost him. He full tilted off the podcast, but that's been a, that was a great session, Finn. Absolutely. Uh I think I'll stop it. <laughs>